And we're live. Hey, everybody. It's Ethan Zerka here, not to be confused with our guest, but I've got Ethan my there. business partner over here, Sakib. Sakib, please introduce our guest today. Yes, today we have uh, Ethan Vera. And Ethan Vera is from uh, Luxor, uh, which is North America's largest um, uh, a pool. Um, and, and they support many different coins, uh, including coin on their, uh, on their pool. Uh, Ethan, uh, please uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, like Sakib said, uh, I, I run Luxor. We founded it about three years ago today. Really is like an altcoin pool. We, we saw a lot of those altcoin communities and, and thought they were underserved from a pool perspective. So wanted to get them a better product offering. Um, and then, yeah, continue to build out, uh, spend about 90, 95% of my working hours now in mining. So, uh, you know, love talking pretty much anything in the entire stack and excited to be on here with you guys. Before you tell us uh, what you're into today, tell us how you got here. What what is the the yeah. path that brought you to where you are? So you, you said you've been um, a part of Luxor for three years. So you probably are kind of an OG. You go way back. So tell us how that happened. I guess three years is now getting uh, OG status. We're, we're seeing right. like a new wave of institutional miners come in. So three years is actually uh, a long time for some of them. Um, really, I was I was in college at the time, uh, doing my fourth year, uh, finishing up, and uh, my co my friend and now co-founder Eddie kind of dragged me into Bitcoin and, and mining. Um, he was like, "Hey, you gotta check this out. This is like an up and coming technology." And uh, really, my fascination with Bitcoin never broke away from mining. The mining mm -hmm. aspect was the coolest part for me. That instead of having a centrally planned Fed that determines the supply of money anyone with a machine, electricity and internet can take part in that minting process. And, mm. and that was like fascinating to us. And so we wanted to build products around it. And uh, as like college kids um, with no capital funding, like what can you build? And <laughs> we thought, hey, let's build some software products. Um, Eddie and Nick are both software engineers. So that's mm -hmm. probably where we can play best. And yeah, so we started, started building software products for the mining space. That's really Sweet. awesome. That's yeah. really awesome. I mean, when, so you, when I first got into mining, uh, you know, I was I was doing uh, GPU mining, and and basically, I you know, I see that you went to the software route instead of directly going into the mining route. Tell us, uh, did you have any stumbles or or road bumps along the way? Well, well, funny enough, the stumble was actually when we tried to play in the infrastructure space. Um, we originally had the company vision of software. Um, but mm -hmm. we, we had this idea, and maybe it sounds like better than it actually is in practice, of vertically integrating. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. vertically integrating always sounds great, I think. But at, at times, maybe it's like a ball and a weight on your you know, foot when you're trying to swim. Um, mm -hmm. And so we actually invested in a mining farm in Kansas City uh, called Minery Tech. Um, we, we were a minority shareholder, but it ended up going pretty poorly. Uh, you know, fast forward 12 months later, it, it went bankrupt. And um, it helped us realize a couple of things. One, we're not infrastructure guys. So we have a lot of respect for guys that do do it. It's really mm -hmm. tough work. Um, and then two, uh, the, the mining industry is just so volatile. The value of hash rate switches around so fast. We're seeing it now, you know, with rep per terahash down below eight cents uh, per terahash per day. And so the inability for miners to like hedge out their operations or, you know, transfer some of that risk to investors can really lead to volatile business models. And how, how many bankruptcies have we seen this year? Uh, you know, 10 plus. So I think that's going to continue as long as those uh, derivatives aren't here to, to help miners. And so that was some takeaways that we had. And it was a stumble we had, but also a great learning experience. 
what do you feel is uh, is is just mission critical to success? Like, what do you feel is maybe like the biggest uh, mistake that miners make these days? Biggest mistake. Um, <laughs> I think there's probably a lot. Uh, right. I, I think probably relating like to your business, like the broker side of the business, um, buying machines at the right price is increasingly vital to the success of an operation. Mm -hmm. uh, people that have good ASIC procurement will will have an advantage, uh, a leg up uh, for the long run. And mm -hmm. you're kind of seeing like some types of cartels forming now on the at least the latest gen machines where they're booking up three, four month supplies of micro BT or Bitmain in the future. And mm -hmm. mid and small size miners can barely get their hands on like, you know, 100, 200 rigs. Um, so those players are going to have like a huge advantage moving forward. I think if there are small players that want to play profitably, they have to know how to navigate the secondary uh, markets well, you know, working with guys like yourselves and, and okay. getting that dollars uh, per terahash down on their CapEx front. Yeah, abs absolutely. That, that was an awesome answer. Yeah. So um, I, had a, I had a question, Ethan, uh, what percentage of hash rate um, would you say that your pool, uh, you know, is, is a part of for Bitcoin, let's say? Yeah, uh, Bitcoin, we're still relatively small uh, because we've historically focused on altcoins. So mm -hmm. our largest pools right now are like Dash. We have about 25, 30% mm -hmm. <clears throat> of the uh, network hash rate. Oh, wow. Uh, Horizon about 40, Zcash 5 to 10, Sio around 30. Uh, so relatively strong into altcoins. Bitcoin, we're just scaling up now. So around 120 petahash uh, as of this morning. Um, but that's definitely going to be a focus moving forward. Why, why is it becoming a focus? Um, do you just not, um, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, do you see that the altcoin market is maybe going to have some turmoil in the future? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say, right? Like everyone's kind of lost uh, interest in a lot of these like OG coins, like a, a coin, for example, like Dash or Zcash, mm -hmm. you know, DeFi mm -hmm. is a little bit more shiny now. Like, why would you buy you know, Zcash when you could buy Uni or uh, Wi-Fi. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think there is going to be some momentum lost out of uh, kind of traditional proof of work altcoin markets. But in the next retail boom, uh, I think there are a lot of people that will eye things like Litecoin Dash and Zcash mm -hmm. uh, and, and will get support behind it. So it's hard to say for sure. I'm, uh, I would say optimistic, but definitely not pessimistic either. So uh, I, I want to know your thoughts on Wi-Fi. Um, for those of you who, who haven't heard of Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi is a coin that um, like literally started out around $34, I believe. Yeah. And in less than a year, it has just skyrocketed from $30 to $40,000, I think, was, was the yeah. top of where it reached. So what are your thoughts on that? How, how does that happen? It happens because it's just everyone wants to buy on the exchange and no one wanted to give it up. Um, Wi-Fi had a really good uh, thesis of like a very limited supply of coin and mm -hmm. um, a hard cap. Uh, I forgot what is it in the tens of thousands. It's very yeah. small. Um, and so I think there's like some element of scarcity there in a day when everyone has like millions and potentially billions of coins outstanding. Um, but Wi-Fi principle itself of like aggregating yields is uh, definitely interesting, especially in today's like era of yield farming. And so mm -hmm. it, it seems like the perfect play for DeFi. Um, I, I probably only spend a, a fraction of my time looking at DeFi, uh, mostly right. because mi mining is a full-time job. Oh yeah, uh, but it, absolutely. 
it is something we actively look at. Like, how can we integrate those types of yields for our miners to earn extra return on their balance sheet? Because treasury management for miners is a huge part of uh, their business. We're seeing that now with partnerships between like Poolin and BlockFi. Like, how do you mine reward and then earn extra reward, uh, you know, staking it or um, yield farming with it or lo loaning it out on something like BlockFi? So it's something that we're looking at for sure and monitoring closely. Can you uh, explain a little bit more in depth what yield farming is and how it is different than traditional farming? Yeah, and I don't know if I'm uh, best placed to be the, the DeFi expert on the panel here. Uh, you actually, you, you probably know more than me, Ethan. Um, um, my understanding of it, it really is you're just providing liquidity for these underlying protocols and, and you're getting rewarded as a result. Um, I don't know how sustainable some of these things are. Uh, mm -hmm. So some of these projects are giving like 6,000% APYs. Um, probably a mix of both that it's a very risky investment, but also that there, there's greater fools that will uh, demand that liquidity. And so how long are there gonna be greater fools for? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I think that eventually like the end game of this is that APYs will have to come down somewhat similar to uh, centralized finance. Uh, DeFi is nothing like special that you can yield like 6,000% APY for the rest of our mm -hmm. lifetime. So right. I think it's a matter of time before it starts coming down and then DeFi will become a little bit less shiny. Yeah, I, I think you're right because uh, whenever you have something that uh, has inflation, massive inflation like this, there's got to be something on the other side that balances it out. And the price eventually catches up you know, to the inflation. So it's just a matter of time, I think. And uh, as you said, you know, projects uh, that are actually decentralized, uh, more decentralized and are mined uh, using, you know, with electricity, um, something like Dash or Litecoin, uh, though, you know, I think they, they will uh, be more appreciated in the future once this DeFi wave is gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's very interesting stuff. Um, what do you, do you have a personal favorite? Do you, do you like, uh, what, are, what are you mining right now, personally? My, mining personally? Um... I have a few SHA-256 rigs um, and a couple of Equihash. I think Equihash has always had like a soft spot in our heart. Uh, mm -hmm. Zcash Horizon were some of our first pools and then we built Komodo and Pirate Chain uh, mm -hmm. after. And um, the reason we, we love it so much is because there's really good profit switching opportunities between the chains. Uh, so mm -hmm. Equihash is the underlying algorithm, which you can mine on like a Z11, an Silicon A9, and now it means uh, Z15. Um, mm -hmm. You can mine, Zcash is the predominant one, obviously like 70% of the market cap uh, of those coins. Uh, Horizon's probably 20 and the rest of the 10 is filled by other coins, but there's really good uplift opportunity there if you mine between chains. So our profit switching algorithm has been doing like five, 6% uplift over Zcash, which is like pretty insane for a mining operation, especially one that's operating at the margin. So that's been like very fun for us to develop. We've kind of like geeked out over it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely like our, our personal favorite. Yeah, it, it's sort of like uh, dual mining for GPUs. You know, you're you're getting an added benefit uh, with whatever you're mining. Yeah, we we switch between chains. So at any given point, your your rig is only working on a single chain. Um, mm -hmm. But we switch every like three four minutes. We update. Okay, which one is which of these coins is the most profitable to mine on a Bitcoin basis? And let's mm -hmm. let's switch over to that one, uh, or potentially switch over if you're already mining it. Then we just stay. And, you know, you mentioned previously you want to get more into the SHA-256 uh, mining algorithm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, it's actually not that intuitive, but starting with a Bitcoin pool is actually pretty tough. Um, mostly because the mistakes you'll make if you build your pool from ground up and don't leverage existing code is like, you're going to make mistakes along the way. We've made plenty. Um, and, and fortunately, they don't cost that much when you're in altcoins. But if you're, say, orphaning a Bitcoin block, like you're, you're burning 100K, right? Like uh, it's an expensive mistake. Um, and then second is like the liquidity required. So in today's world, uh, almost every mining pool operates on a pay per share basis. So paying out on the expected value and you're paying miners up out front. And that means that as a pool operator, you got to absorb that variant risk. And if you don't have a large liquidity pool, you could actually bankrupt yourself. And so for something like Bitcoin, you actually need quite a bit of liquidity to cover that upfront payment. So, uh, you know, for us starting the company out of college, like we didn't have that. So uh, by building up these altcoin pools, we built up mm -hmm. uh, a war chest, but we also built up an, a stabilizer where if we have a bad month mining Bitcoin, maybe you had a good month mining Dash, they kind of balance each other out. They, they equalize out. That's very smart. Diversify. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I, noticed, I noticed that you have a, a Zen um, Horizon. And now I started mining Zen when it was, you know, back uh, like I think less than three dollars. Um, and, you know, I was on many, many different pools. I think I used your pool at one point as well. Um, but yeah, how long have you had Zen on your pool? Uh, since 2018. I would say very few miners uh, stick with us for just Horizon now. Um, Th those miners will come over to switch because uh, we do about like 10% uplift over Zen right now uh, through our profit switching algorithm. So uh, we've slowly tried to migrate people over. Um, there are some people that want to mine like a native token uh, and mm -hmm. that would mostly be because they want to support the project or they, mm -hmm. they're really bullish on the token and they want to get paid out in it. Um, mm -hmm. And so those would kind of be the exceptions, but everyone else is more like profit driven, like give me Bitcoin, give me more uplift type thing. Right. So it's no secret that you have competitors in the market and, um, you know, sometimes these competitors can do shady things um, mm -hmm. to you guys to, uh, to prevent. And I, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, can you give us a, an update on, you know, what your, your security situation is? Have you had anything interesting happen um, security wise? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you're right. Like they're, the mining pool game is very competitive. Um, it's very cutthroat. And, and in some ways it's very zero sum. So uh, if one pool loses, uh, it's at the benefit of every other pool. Uh, there's quite a few attacks you can do on mining pools. Uh, obviously the standard ones like DDoS, but uh, one of the more like uh, creative attacks you can do is what's called like a block withholding attack, where basically another mining pool will redirect their hash rate, proxy their hash rate towards your pool Mm -hmm. You'll be you'll be paying them for their hash rate because you don't know uh, who they are. Uh, you just know that they're giving you valid work. Yeah. Um, but they have a way to check to see if that the share that they're providing you is actually a valid block or not. And mm -hmm. if it's a valid block, they'll discard it. So what they're doing is basically sending you junk work. Yeah, they're and, just they're sending you useless stuff, noise. Exactly. Yeah, it's like uh, from um, a technical perspective, it's a hash value that results. Uh, lower than the share target, uh, but not lower than the network target. So they, it's still counted as a valid share by the pool, but they know it's not going to be counted as a valid share or a valid block. That's by the so shady. That is so underhanded. And, and, and if they send enough of those, they can they can definitely do some damage. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Pay, yeah. 
a paper share pool like us, they can bankrupt us. Um, I suspect it's happened to slush pool in the past too. And mm-hmm. for a, a score based system or PPLNS like slush, basically all their customers will be like mad at them and want to leave because they're not mining as many blocks as they should have. So it, it hurts both types of payment method pools. Uh, and, and yeah, it's, it sucks to deal with. Yeah, and and I've had this happen before where, you know, I've mined empty blocks um, on, on many different pools and, and uh, you know, I didn't notice it until maybe uh, a day later. So, you know, you're, you're mining uh, for nothing for that point, for that time. Yeah, yeah. That's just, uh, like I said, just, just wasted noise. Um, we're going to take a, a, a quick break here to, uh, to take a look at our sponsor today. Sakeem, can you pull it up? Yes, I'm going to uh, pull up our crypt website here, Crypto Mining Tools. And on Crypto Mining Tools here, we have um, our calculator app, our comparison app, and our shop, for example. We have the best-selling miners here on the market. Um, and at this moment, you're also able to go into our directory. Um, and from our directory, you can um, select what type of hosting you want. Uh, you select what miners you have. And it's a really easy process to uh, to basically uh, request a quote from any facility uh, worldwide. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fascinating. So, crypto mining tools is a place where you can educate yourself on you know what the most profitable miners are. You can then compare that miner against the miners in the market um, to make sure that you know just like Ethan, you mentioned before that it, it's all about you know, getting the maximum yield for your capital expense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you've decided, you know, what miner is a good fit for you, you can go to the shop and you can look around at our inventory and you can buy that miner. And then you can find the best hosting because that's another part to it as well is it's not just simply getting the maximum yield on your purchase, but also making sure that that miner is run in a facility that has, you know, electricity costs and, um, you know, maintenance that, will keep your miner online and keep it hashing um, so you can get the most out of it. Yeah, and we're always adding you know, new features to uh, our calculator. Uh, we're adding uh, profitability features as well. Um, we have a, a, we're, we're developing a backend for, uh, for brokers as well. Um, mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're in constant development mode. Yeah, yeah, every day changes and improvements are being made to the website, so, so visit often. And um, we're hoping to bring online many different algorithms here soon. So you can calculate not just for Bitcoin, but many other coins. And uh, we also want to bring online GPU products as well. So, um, yeah. So back to you, Ethan. Um, What can be done? Do you guys do any special or or precautionary measures to stop this uh, underhanded uh, hash rate that can be sent to your pool? There, there is no like foolproof way to stop it. But what you can do is you can monitor uh, mining luck per rig and per user account and see like, hey, this miner like has been paid out six times as much as they sh- should have been. They still haven't found a block. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, what do you do at that point is you just freeze their account and say, hey, can you contact us? Let's like set up a quick call. I just want to like <laughs> confirm who you are. It's only it's happened like, twice. Where... The number you've reached is <laughs> exactly right. Like. If they're an honest actor, they'll uh, they'll take a call. Um, mm-hmm. It's only happened twice, and both times, like it ended up being like you know somebody who wasn't attacking our pool, and we just unfroze their account balance, and it continued to mine. And uh, you know the mining luck ended up just being bad for that period. Um, I think like 
really that taking that precaution is all you can do at this point. Okay. So you have some sort of system that evaluates the luck across all the workers. And if you find some workers that are having some very unusual low luck, that's when you will contact them and say, you know, Hey, we, we've noticed some, you know, unusual activity in your account. Please, you know, contact us and let's discuss what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. So mining luck follows an Erlang distribution. So based on a percentage like luck statistic, um, you can see like what's an over a specific like uh, block uh, amount. You can see like what's the probability of this happening. Let me just throw rough numbers out there. But say you have a luck statistic of like six over 10 block period. Uh, mm -hmm. You can determine, hey, that's like there's a 98% chance that that shouldn't have happened. You know, if we ran that back 100 sure. times, 98 out of 100, it shouldn't have happened. Um, and then you can start to set some like uh, intervals of like, okay, at 99.9, .9, let's freeze their account because that's like extremely unluck like, unlucky. Maybe there yeah. is a slight percent chance it, it, it was just pure mining luck, but let's at least, you know, check. I know that uh, casinos do a, a very similar thing. Um, they will, you know, measure the input and the outputs of their table. And to a very, very fine degree, they can determine if any kind of cheating is happening um, because they know to a very exact number that for X amount in, X amount should be paid out. And if any more than that gets paid out, then they, you know, start looking into people cheating and whatnot. Yeah, mining exactly. like a paper share mining pool is like the exact same as a blackjack table, right? Like mm -hmm. as the as the pool operator and the dealer, you know your odds are set in the long run. You know you're going to make that say two percent spread. Short mm -hmm. run, who knows what happens? Sometimes you may mm -hmm. be up a lot. Sometimes you may be down a lot. But yeah, like you mm -hmm. said, like at a certain point in time, uh, the distribution will fall so that you know like exactly like okay, this is uh, you know too low or too high for uh, the the time horizon we're looking at. Right. You'll have a standard deviation, basically. Exactly. Um, so, Ethan, I wanted to ask you, um, what sets uh, Luxor apart from other pools? Uh, you know, please, uh, please talk about that. Yeah, I think uh, I was mentioning earlier the pool space is competitive. It definitely is. There's a lot of great pool operators out there. I think everyone really is rushing to fill this like ecosystem play. Um, you're, people are realizing that a standalone mining pool is kind of outdated. Uh, it's no longer going to be the future of mining. And so there are companies like Poolin that are like rushing to add financial services. Um, and, and like Slush Pool is doing the firmware integration. So trying to mm -hmm. do like a broader ecosystem play. Um, at, at Luxor, we've been focused on a couple things. One is profit switching. So I think the days of like single chain, narrow focus mining are almost over. Mm -hmm. uh, min miners are majority profit driven. So if there's ways to squeeze out extra profit, uh, you kind of need to do it as a pool operator. Um, so like now we kind of think of ourselves as more of like a best price execution where we're, we're accessing deeper liquidity than just the Bitcoin emission rate. You can access things like the Bitcoin cash, BSV, Digibyte, mm -hmm. nice hash, maybe like sell it onto a contract, sell it to another pool, whatever. Like you need to have like a whole order book of like different liquidity um, partners, uh, whether that's networks or other uh, uh, companies. And if you can access all of them, you can get a better uh, like profit return for uh, the hash rate. And ultimately what you can do then is then pay your miners out more for their hash rate. Um, mm -hmm. So that's obviously an area we're very focused on. And then the second would be building uh, hash rate based derivatives. It's still a bit far out, but we really think that the market needs like better instruments to hedge uh, for miners. So 
we want to play a role in, in crafting some of those derivatives and and getting them to market. Can you give us uh, a little bit more in-depth explanation about that? I, I find that fascinating. Mm -hmm. So explain what it is and you know how you guys intend to, to bring it to life. Yeah, this, this concept really came from looking at traditional uh, industries. And, and uh, before Luxor, I was working at Goldman Sachs as an investment banker. And a lot of our clients right, are, are either commodity producers, natural resources, uh, any type of manufacturer. And mm -hmm. an integral part of their business is hedging out some of their forward revenue. So they're producing an underlying commodity. Let's go to a simple uh, example like oil. Um, mm -hmm. They don't want to take a directional bet on the price of oil in the next two years. So they're going to lock in a value per barrel of oil. And mm -hmm. they know maybe for 60% of their operations, this is how much we're going to get paid. And mm -hmm. so that if oil drops to $20 a barrel or even negative, uh, they're not going to go bust. They still have the ability to sell it at their locked in price of say $60. Um, mm -hmm. So it's taking these traditional concepts and bringing it into a new space. Mining. Mining is still the wild west, but it's quickly transforming to a more institutionalized sure. uh, right. industry. So it's like, how can we bring those traditional concepts to mining? Uh, what these ASICs really produce is computational power. You know, a SHA-256 rig produces SHA-256 computational power. Uh, yeah. Z15 produces Equihash. Um, and so we want the ability to hedge on the underlying commodity that the, that the uh, machine produces. And so building uh, derivatives on the value of hash rate itself, I think is extremely mm -hmm. important for a hedge. Um, and so that's really kind of what we're focused on is like building futures where you can lock in the value of, of hash rate. And so as like, just to uh, wrap it up here, like let's say hash rates at 7.5 cents a terahash per day right now. We mm -hmm. want to create a product where you can hedge out a year and a half and sell it forward at, let's say, like seven cents or six and a half cents. Like maybe you take some haircut on it, but you lock it in for the you know uh, foreseeable future. Right. So can can you give me an idea of, of what this hash rate could be used for? Um, you know, if, if you're going to treat it as a commodity, is it a commodity that's only going to be able to mine Bitcoin or is it a commodity that's going to be able to do something else? I think computational power as a whole, like you can get quite a, like ha have a good imagination of every aspect of, you know, the digital societal touch. Uh, for like SHA-256, it's obviously a very narrow focus. Uh, mm -hmm. Usually 85, 90% of it will end up on the Bitcoin network. Um, you know, some of it will end up on other networks like Bitcoin Cash, BSV, Digibyte, okay. Terracoin, right. PeerCoin. Right. PeerCoin, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like probably 10 others, right? Um, but those are those are the main ones for sure. So it's a very interesting dynamic. Like compute power itself is an interesting asset class. It's ephemeral by nature. It's kind of like mm -hmm. electricity where mm -hmm. you can't yeah. store it. You have to use it. Or yeah, lose once it. it's once it's used, right. it's used. Like it's yeah. 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 And you can't hold it, right? Like right away yeah. you need to have uh, like basically yeah. It needs to be you need to have a stratum enabled endpoint pre-configured to mine the Bitcoin or other networks. And if you don't have it configured already, it's like it's wasted shares. So yeah. it's an interesting asset class as it is. And then you tack on the fact that the end customer is actually like a blockchain instead of mm -hmm. like, say, like um, for oil, maybe like an airline industry. Now you're you're swapping out the airline industry for a blockchain. It's uh, it's fascinating. It is. Uh, I know that there's a lot of, uh, you know, NiceHash has a marketplace for for hash rate. Um, and, and so I think that's something that you're trying to uh, bring into the industry as a um, as a standard. 
Um, if we can standardize that, I think it'll it'll really help the uh, the large operations as well. Yeah, very interesting things are happening. Where do you see? Let's look further into the future. Where do you see things going? Let's say five years from now. Five years from now, I suspect like at least fifty percent of hash rate will be exchange traded. Uh, right now, hash rate is traded like over the counter style between mm -hmm. miners and mining pools. Like miners will go to a mining pool and negotiate a special fee directly, like have a contract with them and sell them their hash rate. That's OTC. Mm -hmm. It's a very, uh, I think, immature way to run a commodity industry. And it, it results in a lot of the ways uh, that, that miners hate mining pools is like, they don't know if they're getting paid the right amount. They don't know, like, there's no transparency there. Yeah, there's um, no market co competition or transparency. Yeah. Like, how, how do miners compare like mining pools? They usually run like, 10 like machines on each for like a month like that's a really bad mm -hmm. way to determine who's more profitable um okay. so i think it's a natural transition that the majority of hash rate will sw swap over from otc to exchange traded um mm -hmm. and then the benefit of exchange traded is that there's no transparency you know exactly why you're getting the rate you're getting you can see the order book um mm -hmm. and then two is you open up the buyer universe there's tens of thousands of sellers of hash rate being miners, mm -hmm. and there's only like a handful of buyers, the mining pools. That's a really imbalanced market. And so if you can mm -hmm. add more market participants on the buy side, you should start to see the value of uh, hash rate increase. And do you think that will also in increase, um, you know, just, just the value of the coins themselves in the market as well? I don't know if miners have like a huge effect on, on the value of coins. Um, well, I, I mean, like obviously, if, if they don't sell what they're mining, then it, you know, creates, um, you know, more demand mm -hmm. than there is supply. And, you know, by logic, that should, uh, you know, increase the price, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch. Uh, I think there's going to be less and less miners just holding their coins in Bitcoin um, versus leveraging their balance sheet. Uh, mining is obviously a very tough game now. Uh, margins have come down significantly. So if you don't have good treasury management, um, you're mm -hmm. kind of at a disadvantage. I, I foresee more and more miners wanting to like earn Bitcoin, obviously sell enough for their OPEX, but then start like loaning it out on things like BlockFi or other services where you can earn like a 7% APY um, and then try and get some return that way. Uh, you, so Some of those contracts are really interesting because you don't and I actually have to lock it up for that long. So you can lock it up between CapEx cycles. So like you make a bunch of Bitcoin, uh, you know, you're going to crypto mining tools to buy miners in four months, like for those four month period, like earn some return on it. And then maybe you mm -hmm. can buy more miners. Yeah. Well, uh, guys, we're getting to the end of our podcast here. Um, Ethan, uh, how can uh, people reach out to you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter, uh, Ethan underscore Vera. Um, and, <laughs> yes. and I'm like, I'm like, who's posting under my name? Who's? Oh, that's 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 Ethan, that's Ethan Vera. It's not Ethan Zerka. Okay, it's a team effort, man. Right, we bring each other up. Right. Um, yeah. So you can find me on uh, Twitter. There. Uh, we also just launched a new website called HashRateIndex.com. Um, uh, kind of aggregating rig price data, uh, tracking public mining companies, and uh, some of their like trading multiples. So. Uh, yeah, feel free to uh, jump over there. All the data is free, uh, so feel free to use it and, and give us any feedback if you think there's some cool analysis we can add. That is really awesome, man. Yeah, that is that is really helpful. And uh, 
yeah thanks for being on our show ethan it was yeah. it was really good to uh to speak with you and uh give my best to nick nick was our our first uh first on the podcast okay. so yeah right. and uh <laughs> just just like nick you were very fascinating had a lot of great insight and depth Excellent. thanks for having me on all right thank you Ethan. All right bye all right Have see you guys. guys all right everybody bye, bye.